When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Hey everybody, it's Matthew Collar here. We're talking Vikings football five days a week on Purple Daily, available on Apple, Spotify, and the Score North app, or wherever you find your podcasts. And look, if you're tight on time right now and you can only listen to one segment from today's show, here it is. Well, it wasn't Freddie Mitchell, but Wentz and Ertz get the job done on fourth and long. And now it is Ertz again, and then he loses the football. It's picked up by Anthony Barr. And Barr will take it back out. All right, welcome into Purple Daily. Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin. A lot on the show today. We're going to start off with my list of Vikings draft what-ifs in the Mike Zimmer era. And no, Courtney, I'm not letting you derail. This is where we are beginning. Not going any other direction. You're not going to get me back for the other day. Uh, And then at 2.30, I want to talk about two things that involve... Uh, to a tug of Viola that are really interesting that are out there. We've got George Shahuri coming up at 3.30, and I have given you the reins to write some hot routes. And, you know, Courtney, I just looked them over, and I think you've done a pretty good job for your first swing at uh, designing our hot routes. It's not my first swing, though. When Rami and I hosted the week that the sports world collapsed, uh, mm, when sports, you went to Los yeah. Angeles, uh, I wrote them for, I believe, three oh, straight okay. days. All right, all right. Maybe okay. you should go back and listen to those, and maybe you can take some advice. I'm sorry. I was uh, pre- the world falling apart, as you mentioned. I was just, you know, enjoying a little vacation time. And then when I came back, all hell broke loose. So, yeah. hmm, correlation there? Yeah. You go on vacation, yeah. world falls apart. Definitely right. No, that, well, certainly it feels that way, I'm sure, with you and Rami hosting. But uh, let's let's get to the list right off the bat here. Um, because, once again, we open the show another day where the Vikings haven't done anything. And I don't think that much will change until draft night. So we'll have a lot of um, fun conversations that we can have. And you did your list of potential draft mistakes. And I harassed you all the way through it about <laughs> draft nihilism. So I fully expect you to give me uh, the same type of... I am um, locked and loaded. Hard time, and you can do that. So, Jonathan, why don't we get a little music here behind us for this top five list, and then we can discuss uh, Vikings draft what-ifs. All right? So, I, I have five, and all of them are, what if they had drafted this guy over that guy? And Jonathan gave you a hint to the first one. What if, Courtney, the Vikings had drafted Aaron Donald instead of Anthony Barr? Well, uh, we don't have the Sharif Floyd thing then, probably. Uh 
there's not that void that they're constantly looking to upgrade that three technique position over the last few years. It becomes mm-hmm. a revolving door. Um, you know, to get one of the best defenders in the game, I think is you know that that in itself changes the outlook of this defense. Um, and what they could have been in those years, because what that was the 2014 draft class. Correct. Yep. Um, that changes a lot because I mean, think about the way that you know we thought they were going to use Anthony Barr and the, what he's morphed into. Obviously, a very good linebacker, but a game changer on the defensive line and Aaron Donald, I think, changes his defense from top to bottom. Well, and you brought up Sheree Floyd, and that's the reason that they did not draft Aaron Donald, because yeah, reasonably they thought Sheree Floyd was good, and he was. And then he got hurt. And then he got hurt. Uh, but if they draft him, and you have, let's even say, Sheree Floyd and Aaron Donald on the inside rotating or moving, one goes out to end sometimes, or one plays over the center sometimes, whatever. You can do anything with Aaron Donald. If he's a 20-sack guy and he goes along with Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter, you are talking about the most dangerous defensive line, not only of just the last five years, but probably of the last like 20 years. Maybe you'd have to go back to when the... Uh, Philadelphia Eagles had Jerome Brown and Reggie White to be this dangerous of a defensive line, what they would have had had they picked Aaron Donald. Do we look at Anthony Barr as a draft success, though? Yeah, I mean, it's Mike Zimmer's first first round pick, right? Like, he'll always, we'll always look at it for that reason. Uh, and somebody that, no matter what, has been a cornerstone in his defense for better or for worse. I mean, those two have bucked heads about it. His role hasn't exactly morphed into what we thought it would. Maybe it will this year with Everson Griffin not a part of the team anymore, but we'll see. I would say it's a draft success, but I think that you also have to look at the players that they passed over or missed out on because they went with Barr. And, I mean, we've talked about um, you know the, all the what-ifs with Sharif Floyd, and it is kind of crazy when you look back at it that an injury to a player like that kind of set them back, at least at that position for a couple of years, and they've been trying to figure that out, and they just never... Had they gotten Aaron Donald instead, and if that you know, if things would have played out differently, we're not talking about it in the same in the same realm. Yeah, I think Barr becomes a success because if you draft a guy in the first round and he becomes a starter and plays a thousand snaps almost every single year in that in that ballpark, an every down type of player on defenses that ranked in the top five and were number one in the NFL, went to an NFC championship game. It's hard to say that player didn't turn out. So and, and signs a second contract, which is another way of looking at it. I think Anthony Barr has been a success, but he certainly has not been of the level of Aaron Donald. And his value, I still have trouble with this Courtney because PFF grades and things like that, I don't think they fully explain the value of Anthony Barr for how unique of an athlete he is and how intelligent he is and a lot of things in, on the defense run through him. But I can also still feel like he's overpaid at this point and did not turn yeah. out to be a, the superstar that maybe even his Pro Bowls suggest. Well, I think that that's all valid because he wasn't used the way that we anticipated him being used. He's an outside linebacker rush the passer in college, yet... That has not been a predominant part of his job in the Vikings' defense for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Now, I do kind of wonder, once we look at post-draft, what the Vikings do to fill the void left by Everson Griffin if they decide, let's say, 25, they draft A.J. Epinesa or something like that. What if they don't? What does Anthony Barr's role become? Because remember last year around this time when they brought Griffin back and they re-signed Barr after he... 
uh, you know, agreed to the Jets and then came back. We thought, yep. okay, finally he's going to be used as a pass rusher. Finally, the front office said, Mike, you have to, if we're going to pay him all mm-hmm. this money, you have to do what we tell you to do with him, what you initially, what we initially thought you were going to do when you drafted him. And that didn't really happen. So I'm wondering, do we finally see a change in what his role is, especially as like a situational pass rusher this year? I wonder, because Dom Capers and that 3-4 mm-hmm. defense that he comes from and his philosophy, will he have an impact on Mike Zimmer in that realm of what Barr's role could become? Yeah, that's the only thing that gives hope to it. I think maybe he's used it in more pressure packages on first and second down because I could see the amount that they blitz going way up with rookie corners that they're trying to protect and being a little more like boomer bust on defense, which is not what a Mike Zimmer defense has ever been. It's more of been blitz on third down or create unique pressures and zone blitzes and double A gaps on third down, but first and second is usually base. They usually don't do anything uh, unique, and last year they were kind of a bend-don't-break type of defense. I wonder if this year that changes with more pressures from Anthony Barr, but I think we would say clearly... Uh, Aaron Donald would have been a complete game changer and made them the most dangerous defense in the NFL. Anthony Barr has been a good player for quite a long time. Now, number two on the list, Michael Thomas instead of Laquan Treadwell. I know. I yes, had yes, I yes. had to do it. It's got to be on this list. Um, what do you think Michael Thomas becomes if he plays for the Vikings, and how does it change either Diggs or Thielen? Well, I mean... Would you really have three receivers that had such prolific seasons all at once? I don't I don't know if that would have been possible because at the time that Treadwell was drafted, he was supposed to be eventually either the number one or the number two. And that was at a time in 2016 where people, at least, I mean, I wasn't covering the team then, but the, the narrative around it was, hey, is this Adam Thielen's season that he just put up? Is this going to become a regular thing? And we quickly, yeah. quickly learned it's not a fluke. Right. Um, so, you know, if you bring Michael Thomas in, if somehow all of the draft chatter and all of the information they were getting were different and Thomas doesn't become a second-round pick, um, does he have those three straight seasons that he had right off the bat that were incredible? I don't know in this offense because they already had Thielen and Diggs, and they already had other guys within that mix, too, that would have been getting more of the targets. I don't know. I think... I think he still would have been an excellent player here, but think about the opportunity he walked into in New Orleans. I mean, he had a much clearer path than he probably would have in Minnesota. I think there's there's a decent, well, for one, there's a decent chance that they go to the Super Bowl in 2017 if they can have those three receivers. I think what would have happened is you would have had a Chris Carter, Randy Moss, Jake Reed situation, and the Moss is Thomas, the Carter is Diggs, and the Jake Reed of the program is probably Adam feeling and anybody who watched the vikings from 1998 would tell you that you know jake reed was still a sure. highly effective receiver it just that he wasn't getting 70 receptions anymore he was, no, getting he was more a, like 40 he was a true number two and like look back at that year with Diggs. Cordero Patterson and Adam Thielen. That's your starting three. What happened? I, I would think that CP would have probably been the one who was kind of the odd man out yes, there. Yes. And I mean, it was already kind of trending that way, anyways. But you have two near thousand yard receivers in both Thielen and Diggs. Would you? You're not going to have three. Who takes the hit there? It's probably Thielen. Yeah, I think it's Thielen. He becomes the Jake Reed, where he would still get big catches. It just wouldn't have been 
quite the uh, the the amount of targets that he got. Obviously, would not have been the, the targets. But I think if Michael Thomas emerges, they're looking at him as being you know that n- number one receiver, and then maybe Diggs becomes kind of the number two. Um, mm-hmm. Number three on my list of the Vikings what ifs of the Mike Zimmer era in the draft is something that I was pounding this very weirdly shaped table about. Lamar Jackson instead of Mike Hughes. When Lamar Jackson dropped on draft day, I uh, adamantly said the Vikings should pick Lamar Jackson because he's a unique talent. And even if he doesn't work out as a quarterback, maybe you could throw him the ball and he can still make plays because he was so incredible in college. They decide to go instead with Mike Hughes, the corner, who we still don't really have a good feeling on. And Lamar Jackson has an MVP. So how does it play out for Lamar Jackson if the Vikings draft him instead of Mike Hughes. Well, Kirk Cousins doesn't have a contract extension right now. Correct. So that's number one. Um, Would there have been points in the 2018 season when they are essentially Super Bowl or bust that they pull Kirk Cousins Mm. and put in the rookie, potentially? I mean, I can think of, I mean, Chicago. Perfect example of that. Seattle. Um, Probably New England, too. After they try to make that run there in the second quarter and then, you know, coming right out the gates... In the the second half, uh, it all comes apart, and they needed a comeback that they were not able to stage. You know, there were several points there. I mean, that would have been kind of a disastrous look where you pay this quarterback all this money, and yet you have a totally different style of quarterback that you drafted uh, because he was just sitting there at 32. You know, I don't think it's a—I mean— if you could go back and do that, I'm sure that a lot of teams, including the Vikings, would definitely consider that move because oh, then you already have, you know, you could move on from Kirk Cousins a lot quicker if you did that. Yep. But, you know, that's uh, that that's the hard one because they needed a cornerback at that time. And, you know, if they would have if they would have gotten Jackson either where was Hughes that year? Was he at 20 30th. I think it was 30th. 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 Um, yeah, I mean they needed a cornerback, though, yep. for, for for better or for worse, because they're in a worse situation now if they don't have Mike Hughes on the back end. And, you know, the quarterback situation is essentially stagnant. And we wouldn't know at this point what Lamar Jackson was going no. to be, but they would. They would know in terms of seeing him through training camp and, and seeing him behind the scenes and knowing his intelligence, his work ethic, all those things that have helped him improve to be a, a great quarterback in the NFL last year. They would have seen that all behind the scenes and probably been ready to turn it over to Lamar Jackson. And this is the thing about the draft where you should always try to be looking two years out and saying, well, you know, what if what if this pays off down the road for us instead of right now? And that's where you draft a center at 18. And mm-hmm. I wasn't against a corner at 30. A corner is a good pick in the first round, even if you're set at corner, because you never know who's going to get hurt or how it's going to play out in the future. But if you're looking at somebody you know, now, how it looks a few years later, Lamar Jackson is the what-if-he-was-the-Vikings-next-franchise quarterback. And then they would still have him on the rookie deal. They would have him under control for a fifth-year option and then be spending like crazy at the yeah. next offseason. They, they wouldn't have had the same situation. I mean, yes, they would have. If you're looking at it from this year, because Kirk had, what, the three-year fully guaranteed deal, they yeah. still would have had that extremely high cap hit and probably would have been less active in free yeah, agency. Yeah, it'd be next year, right. It'd be next year. Yeah. So you would be you would truly be conceding that, unless you were going to make that switch right now, that this year would be a rebuild. Um, but... You know, I have a hard time thinking about that now as you as you do talk about like planning for 2 years out. Does that mean if Jalen Hurts is still there? 
in the second or third round. I've always been Do you been still very think they take that. a quarterback? Yeah, why yep. not? Like, you know, at some point you have to have a contingency plan. Yes, you did give yourself another two-year window, um, the two-year extension that is with Kirk Cousins, but you, you, what, you still haven't come up with a contingency plan. Unless the contingency plan is to ride it out and people lose jobs eventually and they just mm-hmm. blow it up, which is what signs are pointing towards because they don't have a contingency plan at quarterback. Yeah, and I, I think that signing Kirk Cousins, even when they did, sort of told you that they were put in a position in part by his contract where they were desperate for cap space, so they had to sign him to an extension, and that there isn't a plan going forward because you know their backups have been Sean Mannion and Trevor Simeon, so it isn't somebody to turn it over to. Uh, in this situation, yeah, the, the entire franchise would still feel like it was in good shape going forward, even if you were moving on from Cousins because Jackson would be so exciting. The downside, I'm sure, for the team would have been during all those struggles with Cousins, people would have desperately wanted Lamar Jackson to play and in some cases wouldn't have been wrong. I mean, who would have been surprised if he had come off the bench in a game where Kirk just didn't have it and and played well? We don't do that in the NFL anymore, but if you had someone like Lamar, maybe you would have. No, I mean, you think about those games that they absolutely had to win coming out of that bye week in 2018. Chicago being one of them, New England being the other one, Seattle absolutely. Um, That's all, I think that's all relative at this point, but I could definitely have seen him. Because that probably, I mean, think about the offensive coordinator at that time, too. Um, because of the mess that they were in with Kirk Cousins and obviously the bucking of heads between John DeFilippo and Mike Zimmer, mm-hmm. who's to say DeFilippo's not just going to hand the keys at that point over to Lamar Jackson and be like, save my job too? Right, yeah. No, that's a good point. In Seattle specifically was the most what is going on with Kirk type of moment. And then even this last year with uh, against Green Bay. It just you clearly yeah. could not make any plays because the offensive line was getting dominated, and that's where a guy like Lamar Jackson might have been able to step in. Uh, it would be a very different world had they done that. And last point on it is many times that you um, look back and say, on draft night, someone got criticized for taking a quarterback here, there, or wherever. It ends up working out. Not every time, but a lot of times, Russell Wilson in the third round. What are they doing? They just signed Matt Flynn. They've got their quarterback, right? And then, mm-hmm. you know, you never know. Kirk Cousins is one of those guys. Why sure. would they draft another quarterback when they have RG3? You know, so um, anyway, I, 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 it's always going to be a what if for the Vikings there. That's number three. Number four on my list is Marquise Brown instead of Garrett Bradbury because the Vikings now don't have Stephon Diggs anymore. And you already knew at that point he wasn't happy. And that makes you wonder even more why you waited till the seventh round to draft receivers if you already had the sense that things were not going in a good direction with Diggs. Yeah, because they would have known back then because, what, OTAs, he didn't show up for, that was April. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, right? Or was that May after the draft? Well, neither here nor there. They knew he wasn't happy. Yes. And they, the writing was on the wall very early on. I have a hard time with this one just because it would have been a, a disaster had they not drafted an offensive lineman right away last year. I feel like they like they put their themselves in their backs against the wall because of what they did the year before in drafting Mike Hughes and not getting a Will Hernandez, so not you, getting somebody else. But do you mean a disaster in terms of being criticized perception on draft? And, okay. Uh, yeah. yeah, perception, yeah. absolutely. And it probably wouldn't have played out. I mean, think about... 
yes, yes, the offensive philosophy changed, and they, and they ran so much play action, and they probably could have done that had it still been Pat Elfline at center and Riley Reef at left tackle and Brian O'Neill at right tackle and whoever else you would have had to. I mean, you still would have had Josh Klein. You would have probably put Dakota Dozier at left or right guard, whatever. Um, would the offensive line have been any better? No. No. No difference but, at all. But to me, the Garrett Bradbury pick, for for whatever you believe in, whether an offensive lineman like that can be a plug-and-play starter, that is a two- to three-year pick. That is something that they were expecting. Yeah, it's probably not going to be great when you have to go up against Grady mm-hmm. Jarrett and Akeem Hicks. Yep. Um, you know, your first season, you're going to get mauled. But that, to me, is something where they're looking down the line, too, because they knew all the draft rhetoric about him that he might be a little too small right now yep. to play the position. So, you know... Were they gun? You know, to me, they had no other. There was no other option for them than to draft a an offensive lineman in the first round. Yeah, I, I couldn't yeah. have seen it any other way. I mean, yeah, Marquise Brown would have been great, but that I just don't think that was ever really a realistic option for them at eighteen last yeah, year. I think the the problem that I have with it is a, well, a couple of fold. Uh, one, Andre Dillard, a left tackle, is there, and that's just more valuable um, than a center. Uh, the other part of it is if you were trying to fill a position right away then sign someone because as you mentioned that somebody with that, what money well with, with, what a money? Se- with a center how much money do you need to get some veteran that can be one of the worst in the league i mean which is what garrett bradbury was last year i mean al- almost anybody or leave elf line there and like you said put somebody else put dozier at left guard it wouldn't have made a darn bit of difference no so i i mean yeah i'm sure that they thought he was going to be great right away but that's just not being realistic with that position so no i agree with that i think that you know, like you and I have talked about, unless you're not, unless you're drafting an offensive lineman in the top ten, it's hard to believe that someone at 18 is going to be ready right away. Already, when you know the concerns that he is a prototypical zone scheme blocker, and he's probably going to be a little bit undersized right. because he's more athletic. Right. So he has big steps to take to even prove that that was a good draft pick at this point. But I was thinking more of along the digs angle of like, no. Oh, you didn't draft any receivers in that draft, and you knew he was unhappy. So the number five on my well, they list, did in the seventh round. And I know, right. I know. Well, one works like, out for them, and they get lucky. But to wait, yeah. to wait that long and draft a running back before a receiver when you know that Diggs is unhappy is pretty questionable. And uh, you know, Terry McLaurin goes in the third, and sure. he's a great player. And there, there's some things to I could have seen about a third. I could have there. seen a third round receiver and yeah. them waiting. But then again, it's like, gosh, it's like whack-a-mole. Because let's say you take a third round receiver if McLaurin's uh, available to them because they traded. Correct me. They traded. Backer up for Madison. I, uh, I back, lost track. Like back. four times. Yes, they and that going, was like uh, went, Chris Berman. Back, 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 yes. back. So if but like they were doing that because there were health concerns with Dalvin Cook and durability concerns, yeah. and that ended up panning out. So can you get the same sort of luck? Does do analytics tell you that you could have found another Madison type in the fourth or the fifth round? Probably. Yeah, probably. So, but then. Because think about then, like, the domino effect. Well, Cam Smith didn't do anything, their fifth-round linebacker pick. Um, Sixth-round pick, they got Armand Watts, who they seemed to like. But they also got Oliudo in the sixth round, probably didn't need him. I mean, you could have done, you could have addressed a running back need at another spot. Yep. But then again, it's an exact science, and, play, and we, anybody can play the hindsight game and keep, you know, going down the line like I'm doing right now. That's what the entire list is about, actually. <laughs> I know. the hindsight game. Um, so anyway, you know, we'll see how the Bradbury pick works out. But I think, uh, especially since there were some other good interior linemen that were taken later, then it makes it look even more like a desperation pick, which is usually where this team goes wrong. So number five on the list in terms of the biggest what-if draft picks, 
Jimmy Garoppolo instead of Teddy Bridgewater. Jimmy Garoppolo was drafted in the second round. Derek Carr, you could do this with Derek Carr also. Bridgewater is a great pick, but he gets hurt. If Jimmy Garoppolo is their quarterback and they have continuity with him through the entire Mike Zimmer era, and he's turned out to be a a quarterback who could take a team to the Super Bowl and have them ahead in the fourth quarter, I wonder if the Vikings do make a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo at some point along the way if they had drafted him instead of Teddy Bridgewater. Again, acknowledging Teddy was a good pick, but Jimmy would have stayed healthy. Yeah, um, I'm trying to look back at that draft class. Uh, that was, what, 14 again, because they would have, they got Barr, and then they traded back in to get yep, Bridgewater, yep. correct? Yeah. And, and you, would have, you could have also taken Derek Carr. I'm not a huge Derek Carr guy, but... He also would have stayed healthy and been a Mike Zimmer kind of quarterback who doesn't turn the ball over a lot. What what else could they have done um, with that extra? I mean, what did they give up for Bridgewater in that draft pick? Because Garoppolo was the, was a second round pick, sixty second overall. Um, you know, I don't not- I don't remember what they had to get it to move up to get Bridgewater. But um, do you agree that at some point they go to a Super Bowl if they had Jimmy Garoppolo as their quarterback for the entire time? For the entire time. So yeah, his offensive coordinator would have been Norv. Yeah, and that's then, a tough start. Yeah, uh, I don't know, because um, I've never really projected that this team. If I'm if I'm saying that Kirk Cousins and Jimmy Garoppolo are on the same playing field, not saying they're exact same player, but same level, and I have never really been a believer to think that Kirk could take them to a Super Bowl. I don't know if I'd say the same for Garoppolo, but. So Think if, about if it. That's, the that's quarterback years of 2017 from the start to finish, and has been there in the system, or at least with this team for three years, and you're building around the rookie contract. Because remember, sure, Bradford was making 20 million bucks, so he was still taking up a big amount of cap space. He was. I think and, you do. I, mean, I think you go to the Super Bowl. You, you wouldn't G. have had. I mean, who's to say you wouldn't have even had Sam Bradford on your roster because Jimmy Garoppolo might not have gotten injured. I mean, that's stuff that we can't project. Project, but. Um, Say I don't it. know. I, say, I, I, say they go I to the Super Bowl if they draft Jimmy G. I don't think I can. I don't think I can because I don't think that it was just that. I really don't. Well, being that close with Case Keenum, I think that they go fourteen and two or something that year. Uh, with if it's he Jimmy G, he would have been three year starter at that point. Yeah. I mean, it's possible if Shermer if Shermer's his offensive coordinator. Um, I think you see a lot of what a lot of like the same similarities mm-hmm. of oh, what yeah, yeah. they would have done in San play Francisco. And stuff. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Uh, to what he did this year, you know, I mean, that one's sure, fun for me though. That that's a really interesting one. If you were going to dive back in and try to figure out, I mean, Garoppolo seems more like a Mike Zimmer quarterback um, in terms of like the conservative play calling and what he wants him to do, and he'll take a sack and he'll do all that stuff. Probably even more so than Kirk. Jonathan discovers the Vikings gave up 40th and 108th pick, which were used to draft Kyle Van Noy and Cassius Marsh. So I don't. Fully regret uh, that no. if I find the Vikings. All right, let's. I have Annoyed just got paid. Yeah, yeah. He's no. He's a good player for sure. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking where next. You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars, and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel, and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. 
and take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.